0: Okay there, this is Nancy Hopkins, this is Radio 5G, it's August 11th, 2021, and Michael is a no-show. I have no idea where he is, or why he's not here, but I'm hoping he's okay. Um, I'm going to play a tape, I was we were going to play a tape anyway, it's um, with Dr. Judy Mich- Michaelvitz and Mike Adams, and it's just about 44 minutes, so hopefully you'll be back. Hopefully we can have a conversation. If not, I will be back to um, do something. I'm not sure what, but this is a very informative um, piece, and I think you might. Uh, it, it, it'll make things. You won't. Pro- it's a lot of science in it, so you probably won't follow it. I didn't, but if you listen to it, you can see that. It gives you the the confidence to say to people, the virus has never been isolated, and a lot more. So,
1: here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Brighton Conversations. Today, we have an amazing conversation that would be banned almost everywhere else. We're talking with Dr. Judy Mikovits, and her book is called Ending Plague. Uh, What is it? A Scholar's Obligation in the Age of Corruption. She's also, of course, the creator of PlagueTheBook.com, and this book is coming out towards the end of August or early September. You can get pre-orders of it right now on Amazon or, or other booksellers, and uh, Dr. Mikovits has been one of the most important and uh, truly educational voices right now as we're trying to navigate what's happening with this uh, pandemic and the vaccine push and, and virology in general. So, Dr. Mikovits, it's an honor to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Mike. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Well, it's just great to have you on. Now, I I think I owe you an apology uh, because um, when you first said some things to me uh, last year that I didn't quite grasp at the time about the nature of what's really going on, it took me longer than than a lot of other people to get my head around this, but I've recently discovered something that has confirmed everything you've been telling me, and that is a uh, you know, I own a science lab, and, uh, and we buy certified reference material standards all the time for glyphosate and heavy metals and uh, microbiology. And uh, I cannot find any isolated certified reference material for the COVID-19 virus. Apparently, it does not exist. Why Why would that be? Uh, c- correct,
2: because um, SARS-CoV-2 was never a human virus, isolated from human cells and shown to be infectious and transmittable to human cells. What was done is the SARS-CoV-2 virus was manufactured um, in the Vero monkey kidney cell line is the manufacturing plant. And so every picture you get um, of SARS-CoV-2 um, or SARS or MERS um, is, is a literally a manufactured particle that is a monkey virus. So, um, you know, um, it's a monkey virus, but that monkey virus, its DNA, its sequences um, were injected Um, In polio vaccines, in MMR vaccines, in flu vaccines, and uh, they'd been in that cell line uh, since the mid-90s. So uh, just like uh, Dr. David Martin was saying, um, it's only just a bunch of sequences. And this is what PCR detects as sequences. A virus particle buds, it buds literally out of the cell of the host. So if that infectious RNA was in the blood or in the sputum or in the lung lavage from a human with COVID-19, what you have to do is take the lung lavage and culture it in a continuously growing human cell line that supports the replication of SARS-CoV-2. Well, that didn't happen. They took it out of the lung in people. And I looked at every one of the biosafety level four labs that purported to have a paper that said they isolated it. And in every single case. They put it in the Vero monkey kidney cell line. It never was a human virus that I coughed on you or you coughed on me, and 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 or anybody else. And so I I see these doctors' reports saying, "Oh, the transmission of this virus was airborne." No, it wasn't. You know, show me the virus. The sequence is not the virus.
1: So. Okay, what you're saying here is, is, it's extraordinary, and I'm what I'm finding through my own independent investigation is confirming what you're saying. For example, you were talking about how they claim to have isolated the virus, but they really haven't, and when I was searching for certified reference materials on COVID, I noticed that some of them are labeled isolates, and they say it was isolated in Washington in February of 2020, and then you read the, the description sheet, and it says... Something like, quote, uh, this is not to be used for, for creating antigens because it contains a host cell genetic material and genetic material from the bovine blood serum that was used to, to grow the cell. The... It's like, well, how is that an isolate then?
2: Correct. And this is, this is exactly what, what we've been trying to alert everybody to, uh, the, the particle has to. Every virus is an obligate parasite. The envelope viruses, the envelope around protecting the nucleic acid, protecting the RNA, comes from the cell of the of the host, whether it be a plant, a cow, a pig, a human, and, and those are cell lines. My entire career, since 1983, all I do is the magic of creating cell lines that support viral replication, purifying those viruses, studying them, and seeing if they associate with human disease.
1: So there there are plenty of viruses that that live in humans, can be transmitted from person to person, but what you're saying, just to be, I mean, you clarify, but is that the SARS-CoV-2, what's called uh, COVID-19, is not, I mean, they're they're just relabeling some other genetic material that comes from essentially, what, monkey viruses or other coronaviruses? What exactly?
2: They're taking monkey, they're taking monkey, a monkey virus. So the genetic material is SARS-CoV-2. That means severe acute respiratory syndrome sequences RNA. And, and SARS-CoV-2 also has a little H-HERV-W, human endogenous virus W, syncytin protein, which all animals, the monkeys will have a syncytin too. And then HIV from simian immune deficiency virus, which is also a natural virus of monkeys. So when you express, when you when you take a, a synthetic part of a, a virus and you grow it in the monkey cells, you can get recombination events of all the monkey viruses. So it's a monkey virus. Um, and so, but the GP120 will look like HIV GP120. And we know from the work of the vaccine work, uh, the, the fraud of Deborah Burks and Robert Redfield from the 90s, they attempted to make a vaccine for HIV and they, they literally injected pieces and parts, the sequence of HIV, the envelope, the spike in the envelope are the same thing, that's the only part your immune system sees as non-self. So if a human virus, they would bud directly from the lipid bilayer, that is your cell membrane, it buds from there and that's what protects the RNA from degradation and the only thing that sticks through your human lipid bilayer from the cell that produced that virus is the envelope or spike. That's the toxic part, because that's the only thing that is non-self to your immune system.
1: So the, the spike protein is, as it's called, or the S1 subunit, I've heard it referred to sometimes, uh, is a toxic nanoparticle, and we know from from other guests that I've spoken to, and even I think the Salk Institute has done research that 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 protein itself uh, causes vascular damage.
2: Yeah, that is the disease causing agent. That the envelope alone causes the disease. And we've known that since 1980. That was the work of my longtime colleague, Frank Rossetti's wife, the envelope. So if you change two amino acids, of a envelope from a mouse, um, leukemia virus from a mouse leukemia virus two amino acid changes in the envelope. The spike gives you a Parkinson's causing virus instead of a leukemia virus. And this oh. is what we're, and so they call them variants. Well, you can, you can put, any sequences you want. And this is what Dr. David Martin is telling, trying to tell you. This is lab created, never was transmitted from people. Oh, they tried over the last 20 years. But because of people like you, Children's Health Defense, you know, the Informant Consent Action Network, Dale Big Tree, everybody's been catching them out. Oh, this is the big problem. So in 2019, they had to do their little event 201 game, which basically says, oops, we better inject everybody as fast as we can, or or, or they won't get sick enough, or they won't die, and we won't cover up the evidence.
1: Right. I want to ask you about that. You've already kind of hinted at that, but uh, uh, jokingly, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the recombination of monkey viruses with sheeple genetic material. I, I don't know what... I, it's sheeple and monkeys and cows all together. It sounds like a barnyard of COVID fraud, actually. Right. <laughs> but... <laughs>
2: Oh. It's been that way for a really long time. It's been, yeah. I mean, it's it's sad to say, and this is why when I said it in the beginning in, to Mickey Willis in in Plandemic that was released on May 4th, that little short clip, um, I, I told him, I said, hey, I mixed those bat tissues, the Ebola viruses in Fort Detrick, and my job was find a cell line that, Ebola the bat viruses won't kill because you can't grow a virus, can't manufacture it and study it um, without a cell line. So Vero E6, what we do is we make clones in a in a 96 well plate. So E6 is row E and, and lane six. That Clone grew the most virus before and, and continuously without killing it, and it was defective in a lot of type one interferon genes. So we under so that's how we understand what part of our natural immunity controls these viruses. So I did that in the mid nineties, and and um, we know from a paper that was published in two thousand eleven. That, you know, a lot of these Ebola viruses are right there in that same Bureau, E6. And what I said to Epoch Times that aired with Joshua Phillips on April 8th of 2020 is go look at the paper from that Fauci-funded, and if you read the material and methods... They got Vero E6 from the Biosafety Level 4 facility at Fort Detrick, USAMRID, U.S. Army Research Institute of Infectious Disease, right across the, the baseball field from the laboratories I work. So I did that in the mid-90s. And um, and, and, that, and, and several people. And, and so Tony Fauci funded it. And they got the cells, the cell line, from Fort Detrick. And so everybody wrote me right after that and said, come on, Judy, all they have to do is buy it from a place called ATCC, which is um, they're guaranteed to be clean. They don't have other things. um, American tissue type culture uh, laboratories in Manassas, Virginia. And I said, exactly. Because if the Chinese had simply bought it from ATCC, it wouldn't have all the fun bat viruses and precursors from the 90s with with SARS, with everything else that's been going on, and military weaponized. So that is the proof that Tony Fauci directed this. And you don't have to imagine a lab escape because you just ship a little vial of these cells. In, in the 80s, I used to carry the cells in my pocket, not that cell line and certainly not with Ebolas. But you'll notice when you come back from an international flight, they ask if you're carrying cell lines. You know, there's, there's a reason for that, you know.
1: So what, what you're saying, though, I mean, it's extraordinary. And perhaps people have heard it before, but you're, you're restating it here. So Fauci absolutely knew that he was acquiring a weaponized cell line, a a cocktail of, I don't know, viruses or genetic material that could be further weaponized in Wuhan. That's what you're saying? Correct. He absolutely knew exactly what was in those cell lines. That's why
2: he can say with such confidence, you're going to see the Delta variant and all that, you know. (laughs) Of course
1: you So, Okay. So, again, truly fascinating because the, the, the Communist Chinese Party, Has been saying recently that they aren't to blame for this. That this was actually developed and weaponized by the United States government. So it seems to be what you're saying. There's definitely some truth to that. But then, was it further augmented or weaponized in Wuhan? What's how would you describe that? Sure, of course. That's
2: what is it, um, Dr. Zhang Li. You know, that's what they did. You know, they shipped that and I'm sure it went by way um, Ian Lipkin was involved in this as well, you know, and and he's the one, the great debunker who made our XMRVs go away because they truly were human viruses that had gotten into humans by way of injections and a contaminated blood supply. See, see, people don't realize um, the blood supply that was HIV AIDS. That's what spread that around the world because it's it's still a xenotransplantation. You are injecting, transfusing, putting transfection. That means you inject the genetic material. You don't need an infectious particle if you injected it. So we've been making that since the 90s in those laboratories. And I don't recall working with many Chinese in, in the biosafety level four facility, um, at that time in the mid nineties, but we certainly
1: worked with a lot of Russians just saying, (laughs) so. (laughs) So, okay. But just to be clear, because again, it's bombshell. So, so Fort Dietrich, they provided the research and the tissue, well, not tissue, uh, the, the blood, the serum samples, what do you call it? The super. Oh, the cell line support. cell lines. The, the cell lines. Okay. They, they gave they them, them the lines.
2: viable cells. All you have to do is ship them, and then they grow them in their own facility.
1: Wow. Okay. And and Fauci knew this, and Fauci funded it through Eco Health Alliance and and Dasac and others, and then the Wuhan Institute of Virology took this on, and then there they perfected the gain of function research to make it even more dangerous to human cells is that is that what happened they simply transfected it's
2: it's Ralph Barrick's no seeum so they simply made an infectious molecular clone of a recombinant that looked a little bit like SARS, knowing full well you could grab a little HIV, SIV, GP120, and knowing full well the vp 62 was in there. So yeah, all you had to do was inject a new clone, and then they changed splice acceptor and donor sites so you get recombinants in only one fermentation, like a vat of beer. Just one fermentation, one manufacturer plant and you'll never see it. You call it no see them because you have no idea what recombinants you're going to get as you grow it up in, in each time.
1: And then wasn't that technology approach also key for them being able to hide behind the explanation that this was a, a zoonotic, you know, virus from the, from the animal, the meat market or whatever. That, they used that excuse, right? Right. Exactly. From the, the
2: seafood, because they were bat viruses. And again, been been culturing bat viruses from various places around the world since some um, the mid nineties in that cell line.
1: So what you're saying is one hundred percent. This is something that was developed by human beings. They built it. They knew what they had. They weaponized it, and then did they release it on purpose? Did it get out accidentally? What what's your take they on that? Injected it.
2: You you know when they. When they make a vaccine, hey, we grow our polio vaccines in viral monkey kidney cells. They injected it in in vaccines. So you don't have to release it. You've got cell debris. Because in 1986, when all liability was removed, they never had to show what was in that. So in our book, Plague of Corruption, we show you a little cartoon of how these viruses go. No, they're injecting it. So, in the flu vaccines.
1: It's, okay, that's key. Yeah, so you're saying the, the the I'm sorry, the 2019-2020 flu vaccine season. Are you saying that during those vaccines, they were injecting this already at that time?
2: Yeah, can. They use Maiden Darby kidney cells, which have coronaviruses. So, okay. um, and, and so, yes, the, these viruses are in the cell lines in the labs, and they cross-contaminate.
1: And then all they needed was to push the panic and the hysteria and the PCR test long enough to get people to line up for the new vaccines. And and to wear the mask and cripple their immune system so people
2: got sick. So if they got... Exactly. And, and most people don't get flu shots, especially the elderly, because they say, ah, I never got those, I don't need that. Or or the last one I got made me really sick. Nah, not doing that anymore. Right.
1: So talk, talk to us about PCR then for a second. So when, when a PCR instrument which I've been talking about recently, it's a non-quantitative instrument to begin with. It can't tell you concentrations of how much of some substance is in some other substance. It's not quantitative. It's qualitative. That's the only way it works. Now, what is PCR actually uh, flagging when it comes back and says, quote, positive? What, What is it? matching i mean just a digital library of base pairs what what's it doing so, so what it does is it takes a primer like
2: 10 to 15 base pairs um the genetic codes that all of us use the same base pairs um and monkeys too um and so they take those 10 base pairs as a primer and they flank they put one on the left and one on the right of of a of a piece of genetic material. In this case, let's just say SARS-CoV-2. So what you're going to do, how do you tell it's a coronavirus? Well, you put the, you flank a structural gene of a coronavirus. So something that is conserved across the family. So you want to make sure you're only capturing coronaviruses and then um, you you flank the, um, the novel region, which is the spike protein. So SARS-CoV-2 differs from SARS only in that protein, only in that part. So now you're getting the variable domain and the constant domain if you were thinking about antibodies. Um, And so you've got, and so you amplify these a million times, polymerase, a polymer, you grow a sequence. So you've got one flanking each side and you amplify it and amplify and amplify it and you get like a billion um, fold. In, in, in 20 cycles, if you do two, I'm not good at math. <laughs> Carrie Mullis was much better, but um at any rate. um
1: But yeah, it's powers, powers of two. Yeah. right.
2: But it if you good. do powers of two for that, and so then that, that product is both primers, not just one and not just the other, it's that product. And so what you should be doing is you should be sequencing what's in the middle of that product to make you sure you got what you want, but, but they never did that. And then they amplified it to above 30 cycles, really, and I'd say even 25, the way we were rigorous in our lab, is noise. Or like when you turn up the radio and you get only static, and you can't really make out the words. And so remember, we have, humans have a sensitin gene which is an ancient envelope from gamma retroviruses. So when when that's expressed in humans during menstrual cycles and other things, or when simply when it's activated and we don't understand all the, there's a basal expression, there's a low-level expression, everybody, essentially every person would test positive. And that's what they were doing with the PCR test. So never did they sequence to show you it was that spike protein and of a coronavirus. What they showed you, what they did was amplify other things. So people who have HIV would test positive unless they used their pre-exposure prophylaxis and tested negative. Um, people with the, the seven circulating coronaviruses that are in a flu shot. In every year in humans, in, in, in animals, um, and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny showed a beautiful, taught me, there's, a, there's a, a chicken egg, a chicken coronavirus called IBV, and IBV is incredibly contagious, and whole flocks die if that gets out there, so it really goes through. So again, every, a lot of our flu shots are grown in chicken eggs and they don't test for ibv of course because then they couldn't do that then you've got a manufacturing defect and you become liable in the 1986 act so here's and and so those flu shots could have been carrying IBV, which could have recombined with the other things. The coronavirus is in there. And then you would have gotten a, a, a positive signal because you didn't look for the specific protein. So yes, with so- the mask and with the flu shot, they crippled our immune system. And then they, and with the PCR, and then they told everybody, here's the next wave of COVID.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious that, what we really have is a case demic, a PCR cases, which is blatantly, you know, quack science, fraud. To take healthy people who are asymptomatic, do a PCR scan on them, and then say you have COVID—that that that just violates every tenant of, of medicine. But I'm—I have a technical question, that I'm trying to understand. Haven't they told the PCR instrument that hey, here's a sequence to look for, That's and the primers. And, but you're saying that they're not, it's not specific to the spike protein. They're using a sequence that could apply to lots of things. Correct. How can, they, how can the PCR instrument scientists stand there and, and do that? Surely they know. Surely they know what they're doing. The ones who
2: know um, aren't the ones who ran these tests, and, and it's not the instrument. All the instrument does is change temperature. It's what you put in the test tube. The instrument just goes up. So what you have to do is separate the nucleic acid strands. So you diver- you do reverse transcriptase to make all the RNA into DNA. And then you make double-stranded DNA. We have to break that apart by heating it to 98 or so because it's held together by those bonds um, um, and hydrogen bonds. And so you break that apart, and then the primers sit down at another temperature, let's just say 30, and then you give it 30 seconds to amplify again. But it makes a lot of mistakes. Because our genome, our polymerases have what we call editing function. And it says, no, I don't want that base pair in there. Get it out of there. But in PCR, you just amplify the mistakes because you don't have time to fix them. And so, it, the, yes, the people running these tests. But I had people sitting next to me in a restaurant, and, and, and it was horrible. And they're like, I bought me one of those PCR machines. a rent in an RV, and I went to one of these um, testing sites. And I made half a million dollars last week. Yeah, that's not a validated test. No, there was no positive control. So the positive control they used in there, and David Martin's exactly right, is they took the synthetic spike protein in a synthetic coronavirus, the one that they put into the monkeys, the infectious molecular clone, and that's the control. You never had a human virus. And PCR doesn't look for the particle. It's not infectious. It never was. It was it was worse than a case Demic. Um, unbelievable.
1: No, but but I, I'm glad you mentioned that, that there's a profit motive for a lot of these uh, the, the PCR labs. To just run these things and spit out a bunch of positive cases because that feeds into the agenda of of the government, which wants to lock everybody down and wants everybody to get vaccinated. So it, it's this criminal racket, really. But you know, look, I mean, I don't I don't own PCR equipment, but I do own uh, you know triple quad mass spectrometry equipment that's combined with liquid chromatography and and ICPMS equipment and so on and I've done method development. I spent eighteen months developing a mass spec method for glyphosate, and you're constantly running against physical glyphosate molecules in solution in water in a you know a certified reference material ampule a glass ampule you know you see them all over the lab with a known concentration that was a thousand micrograms per milliliter you're constantly running otherwise how how the F, do you know that your instrument is seeing what you think you're seeing if you don't have a physical material to check it with?
2: <laughs> exactly. But the physical material they have is the synthetic virus, DNA, RNA. Right. So they, they do have the physical material, but it's not a virion. It's not a particle, it's not a human virus that they're testing. They're not taking those concentrated particles from directly from a human with disease and then amplifying. They're not doing any of that.
1: It's like saying here, I want you to meet President Trump and then it's a cardboard version of President Trump. Correct. Right? It's a proxy. It's a it's a stand-in. Correct. Wow, but then What? The... Everybody does it. I mean, we all appreciate
2: it. Those of us in the field, and 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 so it's. But the the appreciation of it because, and this is why. We're the, some of the first things we were saying is, don't let anybody test you. Because all they're going, it's, it's not right. There's nothing about it which will ever be a virus. And then they scare people and then they're sick and then they quarantine them, then they wear a mask. And so we allowed ourselves into this situation by, you know, uh, allowing the testing and um, and again it never will be the delta variant or anything else because that's still sequences and those were all they were injected in the beginning so when people understand that the the next pcr test is just going to put the 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 two amino acid base change or whatever it was nucleic acid base change from the delta variant and the gamma and the epsilon until we get through the whole greek alphabet there are dozens if not hundreds of strains of human immune deficiency virus of, of every strain and all of a sudden COVID and and this is the problem. COVID is not the virus. COVID is the disease. So never was SARS-CoV-2 shown to have anything to do with that group of symptoms called covid it's a group of symptoms it's not a disease Eighteen thousand things can cause that cough you know including air pollution or aluminum or you know whatever else
1: well and 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 yet now then they're literally injecting people with spike protein correct or the mRNA rna instructions to manufacture spike proteins. And even
2: better, they're, they're injecting you in a synthetic virion, lipid nanoparticle. Remember, and it's stabilized with PEG because when a virus buds out of your cells, that lipid membrane breaks down at 99 not 98.6, and then your immune system has, I think I know about 12 different pathways to gobble that RNA up like a Pac-Man, and say, no, 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 that's that's, it's called a pathogen-associated molecular pattern, when you have RNA floating around the blood. So really, you know, Dr. Malone, I believe, is the one who has the patent for mRNA vaccines, and the patent is for the synthetic virion, because you have to make it so that you can get the 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 virion into the cell before a good person's immune system rips it apart um so they had remember when the first vaccines had to be at minus 70 because hey all you have to do is thaw them out at room temperature that's why we never oh it's 99 don't worry about it if your temperature because you'll just clear that with a little chicken soup it's a virus it's the common cold whereas uh, bacteria have a cell wall, and that takes a little higher temperature to break that up. And so when I see 104 called COVID, oh, that's the bacteria and and worms you got on your mask. That's, that's the other things they injected into. There's a lot of LPS, lipopolysaccharide, the endotoxin, they called it, the toxic element. These flu shots have been and always are deadly. So last year when they said, oh, wear your mask, and get the flu shot in the summer, or, we'll, or you're, we're gonna see the second wave. Yeah, get the flu shot in the summer and you're gonna see the second wave. And they did it and the people bought it. And I, we all tried.
1: So this this is now because the so-called vaccines are injecting people with spike protein. This is now a self-perpetuating scam where they will always create symptoms and sickness in the vaccinated group they'll always blame the unvaccinated somehow which is what they're doing now and then they'll always push demand for more vaccines for more variants that are the unvaccinated people's fault i mean this they've created the perfect scam that never ends until you know someone stands up and says the emperor has no clothes which is what you're doing but where are all your colleagues in this? And this gets to the point of your book, Ending Plague. This is a scholar's obligation in an age of corruption. When does, quote, science actually return to science instead of this dogma cult attitude?
2: Right. Um, well, you know, we the people have to all stand up and demand it. And scientists um, scientists simply um, aren't standing up. I, I don't know if you saw um, Del Bigtree's High Wire from July 8th. But we talked a lot about Fauci, and I hadn't remembered this when we talked, and he put all the science to it. He showed it all the way back to AIDS because they did the same thing. This was not the first pandemic. This was just the big kill switch because now we've got a real problem. We have 25 to 50 million Americans who are already loaded up, ready to be killed whether it be from the flu vaccine, the PrevNar, the MMR, the autistic kids, the MECFS, the Parkinson's disease, the type 1 diabetes, the inflammatory diseases. So they already have um, a, a slow burning fire inflammation driving their disease, whatever it is. So what's going
1: to what's gonna happen to them? Because according to the CDC, I know you, you just mentioned different numbers and the CDC is probably exaggerating, but according to the CDC, it's about 160 million. Americans who have taken at least one shot at at this point. What's going to happen to these people? In yeah, your
2: well, 160 million Americans have taken it, but not all of them are sick. Most of us who are right there saying no are the ones who have already been injured by vaccines or have already been in, infected by injection of these viruses, say, from the hepatitis B shot they forced on AIDS, an, A HIV infected, who are already HIV infected, who are already XMRV infected, the mouse, foreign the Xenophorin xenotransplanted mouse viruses that are associated with a lot of cancer and a lot of disease so those people are going to die right away the healthy people need to know only one thing never get another shot and do not wear a mask and go back to your life and we can fix this this is what ending plague is where are all those scholars well there are a lot of scholars we talk we talk we have a chapter about people like frank schallenberger with ozone therapy back who understood in the 80s how to heal aids um, we have a, a, a chapter on with luc montagnier talking about you know the opportunistic and and things like that, and how he sees these injected particles. Stephanie uh, Seneff with glyphosate. Chris Shaw with aluminum. So the scholars did step up and, and fortunately for all of us, Frank Rossetti, um, because he's the one that knows the most of it and he's never spoken before. Um, and, and hopefully this, this nails down um, the proverbial co- coffin for the corrupt scientists like John Coffin, Tony Fauci, um, Ian Lipkin, the, the Robert Redfield, Deborah Burks. They're the, the FDA, the top of the CDC. We can, we can change everything by only taking up these gatekeepers. You know, and and I think just to finish on the whole PCR thing, if your audience realizes that all you want to, oh, remember what we do with COVID? Oh, take your take your elderly away and kill them and cremate them. And when you cremate them, you break the nucleic acid down to one, you know, or two. You could never Amplify or know what killed them, and they all called it COVID, and it never was. It was influenza, and we have proof of that in the CDC. Cooked the numbers, so in ending plague, what we hope with this book is that everybody will stand up and have the courage. But it's difficult because you know, you know, my life ended a decade ago, really, as as I knew it, and the last eleven years have been. Interesting to say the least, and 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 I don't have kids, and and so I don't I don't have what others have to lose, you know. Um, I I you know that, it, and and it's it's sometimes easy for us to say what we would do, but now now we have people who don't have jobs. So the the scholars are every single family. The scholars are the coaches at schools. The scholars are the professionals and teachers. They have to walk away and protect these kids and their students. They literally have to walk away and say no more. The, the doctors, the nurses say, uh-uh. The nurses, the doctors, they know, the pilots, the flight attendants, no don't put anybody on a mask when you're in a box above the ozone layer and you're getting radiation poisoning and forcing people to breathe hard and you're already you're already pressurized to the top of an 8000 foot mountain that doesn't go well for anybody so we we all as we the people have to stand up today and say no more fool me once shame on you and and you know walk outside and speak that truth in love and say no no, this doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I completely agree with what you just said, but the, the, the masses have been so uh, deliberately misinformed by the media, which is in the pocket of big pharma, that there's no question, even when millions of people per month begin dying across America, if indeed that's what happens, they are going to be trained, the masses, they're going to be trained to say, oh, it's the fault of the unvaccinated. They they will never place blame where it belongs or at least certainly not easily so. There's always a narrative that says, you know, it's your fault and my fault and the unvaccinated people, it's their fault, even as the vaccines are, are mass killing people. How, how do we ever correct the lies and expose all this and arrest people like Fauci? Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, they've exposed it. I mean, you've exposed it. Dell's exposed it. Rand Paul's exposed it. Jim Thompson, I believe, has exposed it. Um, John Milkovich in, in, in Louisiana. I mean, how, how much does it take? The, the ACT UP group, the Institute of Medicine, they knew in the 90s Fauci was killing everybody with AIDS. With HIV and calling AIDS, driving a drug like AZT at toxic doses while preventing people from getting simple things. So, yeah, you're um, when I did talk to Dell, I'm like, I don't I don't have a lot of faith. I, I don't put my faith in people anyway, but I don't have a lot of faith. If, if we can't, with the truth that is known about these criminals, these serial felons, when will, when will it end and we clean up our supposed public health organizations? But I think if individuals, you'd be surprised, the silent majority might well be silent except for me, but they know the truth. I go out to that swimming pool t- to my left And lady after lady after lady recognizes probably only my voice. And um, and and like for instance, my my husband's grandchildren. He has one son who has of his five children who has totally unvaccinated kids, and you can tell the difference. And um, and so people are waking up, and we can demonstrate though we don't have to our health. And I just keep saying healthy people don't make people sick. And we talk and talk and talk. And we're we're in churches where, you know, if we're in churches, I I go to God speak here in Thousand Oaks with Rob McCoy and we've had thousands there. They never closed down after the first two weeks they were open um, and and there are thousands of people there. Nobody gets sick. Oh, somebody might get a cold and a cough cough and I give them a little ivermectin and I give them an ozone Cream because the the thing about it is even the vaccinated, if you get sick from that synthetic virus, spike pro, virus and spike protein, you can get well. We've got ozone therapy, we've got natural products, we've got glutathione, we've got healthy glycine, pro-immune, we can build building blocks. We've got people like Stephanie and Chris and Luke and people who know Frank Schallenberger, ozone therapy, there's an ozone you can. We can go hug them and even if we get sick, We'll have lifelong robust immunity to that, to any variant of that. So what um, we have to do is stop now and, and love everybody and take the labels off. So nobody knows who you are. And that's the mask and, and are you shot or vaccinated?
1: Well, and, and we're almost out of time, so I'll, I'll wrap this up here. But <laughs> New York City Mayor uh, de Blasio has announced that uh, essentially unvaccinated people are now going to be labeled a subhuman group um, kind of kind of like the way maybe the racist uh america of the past would treat black people they say oh you can't eat at the food counter you can't ride on the bus this is happening now today in 2021 in new york city and yet they they justify it because they want to divide people by their vaccination status while they ignore natural immunity which is the answer to all of this, but they completely ignore it. They, they want to judge you based on your obedience to a vaccine, not your actual health status, and even that would be bad enough. We shouldn't discriminate against people based on whether they're healthy or unhealthy. I mean, don't we have the Americans with Disabilities Act? Don't, don't we build ramps for people who are physically disabled so they can use their wheelchairs and access buildings, but, but unvaccinated people won't be given the same access as, as a person who can't walk? I mean, what, what madness is this? I don't get it. <laughs>
2: right? Well, and, and in HIV, you can't ask. You cannot even ask on a marriage license if somebody's infected with HIV. The laws exist, but it's time. You know, we the people, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What's a vaccine? The ivermectin in my pocket. The hydroxychloroquine. Let's get smart. Um, and do when I walk outside. You know, we were in a restaurant recently, and and the door said, if you're here without a mask, it says you're vaccinated. And we're high-fiving each other. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. Um, And and I've got the ivermectin in my pocket. Hydroxychloroquine, Tony Fauci himself, wrote in a paper in 2015, is a vaccine for SARS. You got it. Use a different vaccine. Use the language. Am I vaccinated? Absolutely. And I've got it.
1: it's anything that creates a- antibodies that, that anything. Body... creates
2: immunity. immunity and my vaccine actually works. Ivermectin actually prevents transmission because it keeps my own glutathione healthy, good glutathione actually will break down, you know, and, and glyphosate. That's the problem where that glycine is the last amino acid in glutathione. So we're eating all this bad food. So go out, eat right. clean food, stay healthy, and you're vaccinated.
1: And, and so there you are. Amen. Amen to that. Well, thank you, Dr. Mikovits. I mean, God bless you for for all the work that you're doing and for educating people. And uh, I I just I pray the world would listen to you sooner. I pray that I would have listened to you or at least grasped what you're talking about sooner. Uh, but now it's critical, it's, it's crucial that we take this information, and move forward, and really work to save lives and expose the truth about all this. Dr. Mikovits, uh, thank you so much. And your book, Ending Plague, folks, go out and check out that book. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure.
1: All right. Take care now.
2: Right, you too.
3: And we are back. Michael, are you here? Oh, uh, hi. Yeah. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, and my apologies for... Uh, getting mixed up on Pacific time versus Colorado time. I'm usually with everybody at 10 a.m. but uh, I was um, I was alerted by the one and only Nancy Hopkins. Hey dude, where are you? So I did um, get to listen to uh, Dr. Judy Mikevitz and the you know <laughs> I don't see how anybody can you know, throw accusations around when you listen to her and, you know, the depth of expertise and, and familiarity, what you are so clearly talking to a person at the top of her field who knows exactly what is, you know, in these, in the viruses, in the vaccine, knows who did what when with, you know, the details just pouring off of her tongue, you know, out of this incredible mind and heart of hers. Um, I'm so glad you brought this out. Nancy, this is this was a really, really great thing to share right now. Well, she, like
0: when I introduced it, I said there's a lot of science in it, and you know, I to be honest, I've listened to it twice now, and I still couldn't follow it. You know, a good portion of that, but what you come away with is, man, this lady really knows what the hell she's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's like, yeah. how can you? How can you just dismiss her? You know, and listen to these other people. Fauci, wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear two masks. No, maybe you have to have ten masks on. Well, maybe you should have some kind of a. You know, I mean, it's like nuts. And she's so look at. We've been trying to tell you, you're not listening to us. I'm sorry, but we did our best. I mean, at least twice. She said we tried. Yeah, yeah
3: and um, I'm. And- what was the name of the interviewer? He was also a doctor. That's
0: that's Mike Adams. He's um, known as the uh, Health Ranger, and he's got Forbidden Knowledge, to, I think. Dot TV.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, he's um, now now Mike is is extre- He's an extreme researcher, and he provides a tremendous amount of information on a lot of different things. But he also uh, can get into fear-mongering. He really sometimes goes off the deep end. Uh. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. And, you know, it it was funny when he was saying, I didn't really pay attention or didn't understand what you were saying. Because, you know, what she was saying is, look at dude, this is as bad as you can imagine it. And even he
3: couldn't get his head wrapped around it initially and, and you know, what I, I love about it is that you know she's still full of hope and she's still saying hey we the people you know we can stand up and he comes back and says yeah but how many are you going to do that you know look how many millions are already you know how many millions of sheeple have already taken a jab and you know once they start to drop like flies they're going to blame the unvaccinated and then you know it's it's and please she please does She does not buy into the fear of it. She just says, well, you know, just keep loving, keep living, keep, you know, don't wear a mask and say, yeah, I'm vaccinated because, you know, you've got your ivermectin in your pocket, hydroxychloroquine. Um, and I love that, you know, because... I believe, you know, there's a way through this and I believe the narrative is collapsing and there's many encouraging signs. You know, you look at the doctors, the frontline doctors around the world, you know, waking up, you get Rand Paul, like she pointed out, you know. Um, So what I'd be interested in the wake of this to hear what you think about um, what Rand Paul came out with the other day. Um, You know, it's a, a three and a half minute kind of manifesto, like enough is enough. And he's a U.S. senator, you know, a prominent one who, you know, held Fauci's toes to the fire um, before, you know, when there was a um, a hearing. So, you know, it's just going to be, it feels like we're at this tipping point where, okay, are people going to start dying in much greater numbers? I mean, they're already using the narrative the divisiveness label the unvaccinated treat them as subhuman i mean this thing with de blasio in new york is mind mind blowing um do you wh- what kind of hope do you see in the wake of, of rand paul and other people with the wake up
0: i thought i had the clip up but i don't um it was only like a three and a half three minutes and 26 seconds i think it was and Rand Paul staged it. It wasn't that he was on an interview or anything else. He staged this. Okay. And yesterday, it was like, I know of at least three three different places that I saw it on a different platform. So he just shot it out there, and people picked it up all over the place. And if what he's saying is, well, he's, he's explaining basically what she just said, that, you know, this is a pandemic, and Fauci and well, he specifically named Pelosi, we're not going to let you get away with this. And for a senator of the United States to stand up and, you know, call it exactly like it is was astounding. Um yeah. the, the man has got an incredible amount of courage. I don't know if you know that during the, uh, uh, they were having something at, in Washington and it was a nighttime affair. I don't remember what it was. I think it had something to do maybe with the White House and Trump. I'm not sure. But he and his wife were accosted by Antifa or Black Lives Matter people.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: And, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, it was very scary to watch on film. And thankfully there was some police officers close by that got him out of there. But do you remember, I think he got beat up. I mean, he's physically been damaged by people that hate him. Wow. Uh, uh, so hes it, it's not like this is some, yeah, I get death threats in my emails. This is not something like this. This man has been physically threatened on film, you know, like I say when the, when the Black Lives Matter thing happened, but also was hospitalized, I think because he got beat up with a baseball bat.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm remembering something about that. And yeah. of course... You know, there's many ways where, you know, it's specifically targeted by, you know, people posing as uh, thugs or whatever, you know, is is one way. But when you're when you're part of the system as a U.S. senator, he is part of that system and he's a courageous man who's stepping outside of it. But I mean, I I, mean, I imagine what it's like to walk around the halls of the Capitol as a veteran. And with your father, you know, Ron Paul, having been, yeah, you know, he, he he comes from a political family. Yeah, he's a doctor, you know, uh, as well. But you know, you know the system. You know what the game is. You know who the controllers are. You know you're you, you're bravely fighting it. And there's only so far that you're allowed to step out when you have the platform. You have the you know the he's got the platform of being a U.S. senator, you know, to, (laughs) it's like, a line you cross when, which he's just crossed, of naming it in, you know, in a public statement, not kind of dropping heavy hints, not saying, there's something going on here, we need, you know, but flat out, blatantly, unmistakably, irrevocably naming it for what it is. That's a really powerful moment, and it's like, okay, dude, don't get on a private plane to make a little, you know, puddle jumper from one part of Kentucky to another. It would be my suggestion to him. Um, you know, because it's, um, and the thing is now, because he's, he's done this, it's that magical moment, and you probably know about this, where um, they can't take you out if you've made yourself such an obvious martyr candidate where they take him out and um, it only makes it worse for for whatever he was standing up and exposing because he made it too obvious that you were silencing him but on the other hand it got away with Epstein you know Um, and you know JFK for that matter so um, yeah just you know the guy's got amazing you know
0: that first off I think he's in the hands of God whatever happens yeah um he obviously knows that the decision that he made was was amazing i mean amazing and to do it um but the th- the thing of it is is that these people don't give a crap's ass about breaking laws th- that that's become i think that if if anything is is obvious it's that they just don't care- you remember when we did the Oligarchy, but that we're really an oligarchy. We're we being led, by, you know, and that was a study done about oh, right. America. Doctors, well, yeah. when you look at that kind of a, of a, a situation, and you 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 can theoretically, okay, you know, but now, I mean, the president, supposed president of the United States, Biden, he gets up there and he says um, it was regarding the taking away the uh, ability. Of the landowners to get rental payment because of this stupid law where they suspended it because of the pandemic. Right. So now, if you if you were really concerned about <clears throat> the people, all people, then the government with all this money it gave to everybody else, okay, so you pay the rent, don't take down the landlord, but na- yeah. they did that, and you know, th- there's there's enough people out there that are screwing it for everybody else in the minds of, of everybody else, um, you know, who aren't paying their, their uh, landlord, but they bought a new car type of thing. Uh, you know, and those things are starting to, you know, get out there. So you're putting a whole taint on the, on the, again, another divisiveness in in the society. But when he was talk when Biden was talking about it, He said, um, well, you know, the constitutional lawyers say that it's unconstitutional, but some notable people say, well, maybe it isn't, and, you know, so we're going to go with it. Like, he's pissing on the Constitution of the United States that that man took an oath, an oath to protect. They all did. They're all in dereliction of their oath. And I can tell you, as a veteran... And I think that this is what happened with Paul. The, when you take that oath, if you're, if you're a together human being and you're doing things for the right reason, you're half awake, and you take that oath, you take it for life. It's not something that has a, a, you know, an end time to it. You take it for life. And in my case, and I'm sure a lot of veterans, you know, it, it's a sacrament. It's a sacrament oh. to protect the Constitution. And that's what he represented to me is somebody standing up for the very fabric of our society is that Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and one of the things that... Well, I, I, it was a weird thing. I, on two different shows, the same story came up. And it dealt with a book. Unveiled Mysteries by Godfrey Ray King, mm-hmm. who is a pseudonym for Guy Ballard. And the I happened to have a copy of that book that I got in 1989 because I signed my name and put the date, and I read it. And that's what these two, you know, it was the same story, but the two different shows, it was like, what the heck, you know? And the other thing is, is that I actually, I've lost hundreds of books during moves and, and you know floods and stuff but i have that book and i knew where it was i could actually put my hands on it and and walt said something and i knew that he had not remembered it the way i did and i said well i can check that because i've got the book and so i get the book and then i i pick it up and i'm going like "Uh, i think i need to read this thing again and so i'm in the process of reading it It's, it's it's an easy book to read big print thank god <laughs> um you know compared to what they got out now it's like you can't even read it um so it, it but it it, go, it goes back to um the 3 months in the fall of september october november of 1930 when Ballard was in uh, uh Shasta and he meets Saint Germain the ascended master Saint Germain Right, And you know his history, Count of St. Germain, seems to have lived for hundreds of years because he shows up in different places, and he's like, nobody's really sure, this is historically, um, who he was or what he is or anything, you know? But the man could do a huge number of things, from all sorts of music to, uh, you know, uh, healings and things. I mean, just like, so he has a historical person that just is really weird but in the metaphysical world he's an ascended master and he goes to Ballard and he begins to teach Ballard about the let's say cosmic reality you know what what yeah. what is real what what is the real story out there and one of the things now okay remember it's back in the 1930s so the situation there was we were in the Depression. We were about to go to war. Nobody knew we were about to go to war, but it was in the Depression. It was, it was a very difficult time for America. Right. And Ballard is putting forth the concept that America is of special interest to the Ascended Masters because it was set up to represent the type of government that is spiritually supported. Because yeah. what you're dealing with is everybody has the same rights. And some people will take the role of representing everybody else. And it was, I think, Hamilton that said the, the problem with the Constitution is that it will only work if the people are good people. I've totally paraphrased it. But he knew that the key to everything was the people that were in charge. Of the federal government, and of course, from the constitutional standpoint, the federal government was very limited. It's a federation; that you got all these states that came together. That we have, we have to get. You know, some things are are better done in one central place. So we'll set up this federal government. That's why they only they only were given the ten square miles of D.C. You know, a limiting factor. Um, So I can honestly say that since the Civil War you know the constitution has been treaded upon because they they ended up taking i mean a good portion of america now is owned by the federal government cuz they seized it under federal you know i mean it's just insane when i saw the map of how much the federal government owns versus the states it was like oh my god will you people wake up um, yeah. so we're in we're in a situation right at that time in the 30s where there was again a lot of stress and things happening and Ballard is very much into letting people know that America is special America supposedly according to him St. Germain was the spiritual guidance behind the Declaration of Independence itself so what we've do- done is we've lost our spiritual way that, that's, okay. that's the bottom line and we see this horrendous thing about this pandemic, and, and Dr. Judy's ex- exceptional capability of understanding that this is all BS. All of it. Yeah. You know? And so, and, and so the big lie. You know, Hitler said, if you want to tell a lie, tell a big one. And right. man, this is the that, biggest that, damn no. lie that's ever been <laughs> perpetrated on us. But the key here, again, is the spirituality. It is forcing people to wake up. I mean, in our case, you know, we <clears throat> we were up against the 5G, and we know what we were fighting there. Right. And now this is complicated the situation to the point that if we don't have a spiritual awakening, well, we're pretty well gone. But I want to say this one other thing. In the book... And I, I I keep I I'm not getting very far into the book because I keep going back and looking at it again. Uh, what Saint Germain's saying? Not so much the story about Ballard in this. I know that, but what he's saying? What is he saying? What am I supposed to learn in this book? And as I'm going through it, the I keep going to this one passage where it says. It's basically that every individual is the key. Every individual who can perceive that a reality as bad as we got now, you're the problem. You've got to be able to change your thinking completely because every single yeah. human being, good, bad, indifferent, every single thing that is alive is sourced by God. We all are particles of God. Our lives, our joys, everything that we think is all. De, you know, predicated by this, this source God. So, we are representatives of God. And if we can get to that in our own personal lives, then you'll see massive changes. And he's he's stipulating in it that you're only going to succeed at doing that if you can understand that there is no opposing force to God. If you have an equally opposing evil versus good, God versus the devil, then you are negating and you have nowhere. Nowhere. And I've told this story many times. Um, I was in church, it was packed and I was standing, it was winter time, and I can say okay so I got too hot because I was wearing a coat and the you know it was kind of hot and the, you know, I could go, go through a lot of things but I was healthy this is when I was 20 years old I was healthy I was you know all of a sudden I'm boom I'm out of the church I'm in, in a black space there's no light there's no sound there's no nothing I don't have any emotions I can the only thing I've got is my consciousness and I'm going like where am I and I hear this voice say nowhere Hmm. and it was like a stark I mean it it changed my life completely because I suddenly understood what it would be like if there was no God Uh. if there was no source of life and energy Okay, so what he's saying is that if we give any credence to any of this evil being able to confront God then we don't understand God and if you have the two places, you go to nowhere. God is the source of everything. And and is it good and evil? Well, not necessarily because
3: it's just God expressing life through us. Yeah. And and to me, this this brings me back to the idea which you'll find in all the mystical traditions of you know of the great faith traditions. The not the religion, you know, but the mystics, the contemplatives. Oh, well, see, okay, down here there's duality, you know. Um, dark, light, hate, love, good, evil, etc. And, you know, you can look at it as good and evil. Well, we've got service to the good of all. That's the good. And then evil, service to self, service to self-gratification, domination, that you know, is essentially evil. That is where man tries to make himself God. It's like, okay, there's a natural divine order. I'm going to pervert it and twist it to my own selfish gratification. All right, that's all part of duality. What makes the 3D game go for God's entertainment and ours? And if we treat it as entertainment, great. But in the meantime, the divine reality are above transcends all of it you know yes it's part of god's show and the the mystics who have penetrated to the heart of reality the yogis who have you know burst through the star in the spiritual eye you know which is scientifically replicatable if you do the work that you burst through to the imminent and transcendent ground of all being, as Aldous Huxley calls it, which means it's, the reality of God is beyond good and evil. And as you say, Nancy, if we're, you know, if we're just trapped in that, we end up nowhere. Am I, am I hearing you right? Is this landing? Yes,
0: that, that, that's my interpretation of it. Yeah. You know, and it's something that's kind of difficult to grasp when you hear something like Judy Mikovich and you go, how could people do this? How is this possible? This is beyond insanity.
3: Yeah, it it reminds me of um, uh, Andrew Harvey, who's the the wonderful scholar, mystic, and, and author who sort of led the sacred activism movement um, really brought sacred activism forward as a as a term, you know, for those who are trying to uphold freedom and human rights, uh, and you need to have an anchoring in the divine of some kind to be able to do that. And he tells a story in a, in a um, actually, I think I heard him say this, because I've met him a few times, he's a wonderful man, and... So he was at some conference, say it's in D.C. I don't recall where. And um, so he's there as Mr. Sacred Activism, but it's a big tent kind of conference. And he's talking to somebody who's in big agro, right? So we got big pharma, you know, we got fossil fuel, and then there's big agro agriculture, you know. So there's Monsanto and people like that, right? And he's talking to this guy who is... At the upper levels of that system who is extraordinarily wealthy because he has used that system and that system in big agro includes death squads in south america that target and eliminate activists who are fighting the exploitation of of you know the farm workers um it has to do with you know seeds that cannot be you know that that have a one-time cycle so that you come back to monsanto or whatever come back to um the cabal to be able to grow or not And, and so he's talking to andrew harry and andrew said so in my naivete in my belief that here's a fellow human being i can just talk to him and convince him, don't you see? You're hurting people. You don't want to do that. Don't you see? You know, that this is for the ultimate good of all. I'm sure you don't want to do that. You know, and and at some point, the guy just cuts him off and laughs in his face (laughs) because you people, you crack me up. You think I don't know? I know all that. Of course, I know. I know this is hurting people. I know, you know, that I'm transgressing. The Ten Commandments. It's, and guess what? I like doing ten thousand dollar a plate dinners at the White House, where I get to rub elbows with the glitterati and uh, the powerful people. I like my lifestyle, and I know I've actually. There's probably consequences because you know I know enough about the spiritual thing to know that okay, that's you know it's probably true, and you know there's probably consequences for me down the road after I die, whatever. I don't care. I've made this choice. I like this life. And you do-gooders just crack me up with your belief that if you can just corner one of us and explain to us about how, no, you see, I'm sure you don't want to do this because you're a good human being. Well, it's not like I'm saying that people like that are damned for all time and demonizing them because they're divine too. The guy's got a divine soul. He's going to have to go sooner or later you know, wake up this century, this eon, the cycle of universe or other, right? But it's like you say, we need, we do need to understand that in the here and now, we need to be talking to the people who are able to move into being awake and, and not kid ourselves about people like, oh, Fauci must not just really understand what it is he's doing because I'm sure he's a good man. It's like, no, they know bloody well exactly what they're doing. And we just need to hold them accountable, you know, whether it's through some kind of Nuremberg, you know, well, trial again. you know, against... let me interrupt
0: you for a second, because Anelia Benz, who is, she's really special. She came from yep. uh, Fifth Dimension and out came down here to help, and it, she said just recently that when she um, took this job, so to speak, she understood that they would be able to save everybody that you know and so now i don't know about who she talked to or how that all operates but apparently there was a meeting of the powers that be in this amazing galactic story that's unfolding and the the intent was initially to save everybody but it turned out that a good portion of the population is just like you described. They know. They just don't care. They want to right. continue in this 3D insane storyline. So mm-hmm. at that point, it was sort of agreed that, okay, so they're going to go one way and we're going to go another way. And she was of the, of the same mind that a lot of people, including myself, have come to is that we can't waste our time on them anymore. We have to reach out to the people that are already there. And even uh, Dr. Fulmich, She said, you know, that he was was citing some study. And this is a lawyer who's not going to give you crap. He's going to give you a source. I just don't remember it. And it was a study, and they came to the conclusion that 80% of all humanity, basically, um, is quite willing to be a sheep. Mm -hmm. It's only 20% that are awake and understand the evolution of being by your own life and your collective consciousness and, and all of that, that side <clears throat> is not real for those other people at all. But he pointed out that the people that are trying to do this awful takeover of the world and what I don't even know why they want to do it, but they are trying to do it they're only like less than two percent of the population. So he oh, said, excited. "We're gonna win here. We got twenty percent. They got two percent. We just gotta get get our ducks in order." So, yeah. and he's another one. I, I keep telling people the stories of people who are not were not spe- on, uh, did not seem to be on a spiritual quest, like lawyers, like a uh, vice president advisor. You know, people that really had so much involvement in the perpetuation of the system now the, the, there is a <clears throat> seemingly a correlation of if they were retired or not ok they're not is engaged because they're already retired so they can stand back and look at it and go oh crap what was I involved with you know but they're all turning to the spiritual side mm-hmm. and you know that it, it, it seems very prevalent to me I mean you know, it it wasn't very long ago that you didn't want to say the word God. It was just not politically correct <clears throat> to talk about God. And now people are much more willing to, you know, call on the God force to make the changes because the God force cannot be denied. We mm-hmm. we we're not going to survive if we don't do this, and it's kind of like we're running out of options, we better look to God and say, God,
3: we're ready uh, to play here, you know? Yeah. Again, <clears throat> uh, you know, God is, I think, kind of used to that scenario. She says, okay, as usual, it had to get this bad before you turn to me, but okay, kids, let's do something about this.
0: Well, I don't think it did get that bad. I think there was a spiritual awakening. I, you know, I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of Radio Five G, you know, and how fast we saw people waking up. I think there was already an awakening that got us at least this far, you yeah. know. Because if you listen to uh, Anastasia from the Ringing uh, Cedar Trees of Russia, she she talks in terms of these cycles, and it's a repeat, repetitive cycle. And we keep getting to the point where we're waking up and then we don't wake up, we just go around again. And then we get, you know, we, and, and you get really stupid and then you come back around. And this is an interesting thing to me because decades ago I was studying Aborigine thought. Uh, you know around the nation and uh, world and they all seem to have this thing about the black sun what's a black sun and this revolving you know cycle of getting closer to it and everybody starts waking up and then you're getting farther away you're dumb as crap and you know this cycle it keeps repeating itself and uh, it turns out there is a black hole in the middle of every galaxy so it starts to make sense but when when Anastasia was talking about it, she said, in 2000, something changed. In 2000. She was specific to 2000. She never did mention exactly what changed, but she said, we've gone into a place beyond the continual forgetting. And we've got this opportunity, a real opportunity right now to make a drastic change. So... Yeah, we're 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 poised to be able to do this, and if we don't, <clears throat> it's not going to be a good thing.
3: Yeah, it's like in in Hinduism, it's called you know the cycle of the yugas, you know, which are these um, ascending and descending cycles where humanity and the ascending cycle, twenty four thousand year cycle, rises into higher and higher levels of awareness and attunement with spiritual reality and then there's a golden age and oh uh, yes and everything is in alignment with the divine will and then oops here comes the downward spiral back down you go to the depths of Kali Yuga as it's called and the world sinks into physical perspectives right after Shungite
2: reality and
3: into ignorance there's always little pockets of you know awakened mystics or whomever <laughs> like okay now back up we go and there's a, there's a couple of different cycles within cycles. There's a, a much larger, you know, yuga cycle that supposedly this is in Kali, which is the, the lowest one. But in the 24,000-year cycle, um, and Yogananda brought this out and through Swamishu Teshwar in the Holy Science, but um, that we are in an, what's called ascending dwapara you know, we're, we're starting to come up, but we're coming out of a dark age. We're still stuck with a lot of dark age institutions. And it's like you say, Nancy, you know, the United States was an expression, you know, in the late 1700s of the emergence, you know, of, of an ascending cycle um, society that could start to, um, you know, integrate, it could start to lay out a, a framework for um for human freedom and soul evolution you know that wasn't about tyranny and repression and you know the usual suspects so um yeah to me i i see you know we're, we're in an ascending cycle and we've got i mean i would love for that to be true about whether it's the year 2000 or 2012 or some people saying no it wasn't mine in 2012 it's actually 2024 you hear all kinds of things um so yeah yeah it's um, I just had something flash across my my mind here which is did you hear this alert about the emergency broadcast system thing that was supposed to hit today well that was Carrie Cassidy I, I
0: saw it on Carrie Cassidy's telegram and it you know she kept saying I'm just the messenger and you know, it's basically the same message that I heard a year ago, and probably six months ago. And I mean, so you keep hearing these messages, and then you get down through this very long <laughs> article, and it says source unknown. Well, okay, I'm uh, going to give a lot of credence to this.
3: <laughs> yeah, disinformation, usual.
0: Well, maybe and maybe not, because um, first off. Whatever's gonna happen, they're not gonna broadcast it. You know, yeah, we're on this. Da, da. No, that's not gonna happen. However, if you put out stuff like this, then some people go, "Oh yeah, I gotta stock up again." You know, it's almost like it's they're coming. An, uh, you know, in a way that is like, "Oh yeah, I, I gotta go do that." You know, I gotta go get more toilet paper. <laughs> right. <laughs> that type of thing. So it may be a way of keeping people prepped. I mean, we actually got... Well, I didn't get into it. I was watching it in chat on one of the radio shows, and we were kind of alluding to this situation. And um, somebody said, Oh, I get it now, so we're in pre-preparation. <laughs> yeah.
3: We're, in we're pre-prep- pre-prepping. Prepping. We're pre-prepping. prepping And, hey, while we're, we're at it, let's prep for, prep- for prepping
0: for prepping. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. um... Uh, no, uh, and what he's talking about, just so people know, is that you're going to... Okay, your, your phone's all of a sudden going to be doing one of those scary sounds that make you say, oh, no, they're telling me something bad, like there's a tornado going to hit me. And it's going to um, tell you to basically turn on your television or go, I think you can get some some Internet sites, um, to go on your, your television. And uh, only these stations, there's three of them, And they're going to play. I think it was eight hours of of show and repeat it three times, telling people what's happening. That you know this has been all theater, and you know the country has been taken over by the good guys because it's the republic now. You know, declare the republic uh, again, restored, and um, they're estimating three weeks of whatever might happen, and that would be. That would be it, it, the, the the concept of, okay, why would it be, how would you think it's three weeks? Well, because if you're going to have a real blowback, if a lot of people are going to go crazy and into the streets and start killing and raping and pillaging, then you want every sound person at home stay off the streets and the military would be there to, the military and the police, because I'm sure a lot of police... Uh, police uh, uh, forces are involved in this would be there to um, prevent that from happening. So that's why it would take three weeks to, you know, make sure that everything is stable. And by three weeks, people would have have to have gotten over their cognizant dissidents. Yeah. You know.
3: that Yeah, I mean, this, you know, we heard this back in, in 2012. You know, I mean, it's uh, nine years ago. Um, mass arrests are coming, airport shutdown prep, you know, stock up for three weeks uh, and then they're going to arrest the bad guys and introduce Nasara or Ghassara or the Iraqi dinar is going to revalue or whichever version of, you know, money raining from the sky that you want to buy into. Um, It's kind of the same scenario. We we passed um, the supposed prophesied moment here, which I think was supposed to be uh, 1.15 um, Eastern time was when this Emergency broadcast system thing was supposed to uh, to hit, so I think we uh, we're we're safe. I mean, it was like the tone is either going to turn you into a robot, or it's going to announce the freedom of America. Take your pick. <laughs> right. Now, what time did you say that, the the was supposed to happen? I, I read um, these are some friends of mine in Michigan. Michigan is on Eastern Time right now, um, who sent out an email alert that. You know, hey, we, we're not 100% sure about this, but you might want to turn off your phone at 1.15 p.m. Eastern Time, which we just passed here in. Ah, uh, okay, California. okay. I'm, you know, I'm. it's 10.30 here in California. So, um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I turned off my phone. Uh, I just turned it back on now. Um, so, okay. we're good. I just thought I'd quickly run that past you for the benefit of our listeners the the
0: the thing of it is is that every step of the way there are so many variables and we can participate in the outcome by visualizing a good outcome you know it's like you don't have to get into details just throw a lot of love appreciation for for everything that we do have be grateful for the experiences and for the love and the emotions and i mean if if you start to really analyze life, it's pretty amazing. And if you've been nowhere, you know what nowhere's like. So you know you you have to be grateful that you you, you have these experiences. I mean, people are afraid of dying. Well,
3: what if you're what if you're afraid of never being? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's. Um, but you know, the thing about your experience that you shared is that you did have consciousness. You know, yes, that's what the weird thing is that's which is the essence of who we are is exactly so that spark of god consciousness you know that that's the one yeah. thing that wasn't you know i mean
0: and I, but that's that's why I've always had this whoa, you know, just amazing experience, and it's it, i mean it's as real as, as anything I've ever done is understanding that in the midst of nowhere that i still was i still was.
3: Yeah, there's this book by uh, Dr. Eben Alexander. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's one of the best um, near-death experience. You know, the the guy's a brain surgeon? Do you remember this book from like like six years ago? And um, he's an agnostic brain surgeon at the top of his field. And he um, has this very strange, extremely rare disease hits him um you know with a a brain some kind of brain disease zips through him and he goes in he goes into a coma, has a stroke, he's paralyzed, and he flatlines. He's in the hospital and he is flatlined and there is no electrical activity in the brain and his family is called to his bed and it's like ain't nothing going on in there. We just got a heartbeat and a flatline and you need to look at signing these papers, right? So, um, and given what they knew about exactly what he had and exactly what had happened to him, there was no chance, zero chance, that he was coming back. But meantime, he is having the experience when, you know, his awareness was very similar to what you describe of being nowhere. It's like, I am, I exist, I have awareness, and I'm surrounded by blackness and silence, and I'm having trouble remembering who I am. And yet there was this like this little dense sort of reddish pulse that began to emerge in the darkness. And, um, and eventually he turned You know, there's this little, tiny little gimbal of light and with his will, with his free will, he moves towards it and moves into this other realm, call it the astral or whatever you want. And suddenly he sees this face of this young woman who is just the most beautiful being he's ever seen and it's like looking into his own soul and she's looking at him with such... Mm -hmm compassion and um and so miraculously there you know it's
2: like
3: uh he's in the hospital bed and some nurse walks by and all of a sudden he speaks (laughs) all of a sudden the dead guy with the flat line you know speaks and says um you know where am i or whatever he said and so he came all the way back and because he is this top of his field agnostic surgeon not a mystic, not a, oh, I went to see St. Peter and Jesus and I walked in heaven and now I'm back. You know, this is, um, um, you know, he's a top surgeon. He was able to describe in detail why it was impossible, why he didn't believe it. And, and, And then he discovers that he had a twin who died at birth. And that it was it was a fraternal twin. It was a sister. I think I forget some detail like that. And that this soul who greeted him and waited for him and seemed to know him through and through and seemed to be part of him was the soul of of his own sister whom he never knew. Which is you know another beautiful aspect of this. But it's like this thing you described. We're poised in this place of of you know a blackness and and neither light nor, you know, nor, nor love, nor, but we have this awareness, which is the spark of God within us, and all we got to do is turn towards the light, and the light will grow, and we'll be in, surrounded by the reality of the divine presence, which is the only reality to begin with, as long as we use our free will to turn towards it, Right.
0: Yes, I had a button. Um, Yes, and and that that really does seem to be the the simple thing. is We talk about free will all the time. Well, how much free will do you have in a society where you're being continually bombarded with propaganda to make you think some other way? How can you have it? It doesn't exist. But the only free will you have is to choose whether or not you're going to Align with the God Force or not? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Reverend Maya and I over on um, Blue Star Rising, uh, you know, our, our YouTube channel with the sacred science that we share, you know, what she has received about the whole global picture right now you know, mm-hmm. is that um, there is were two competing factions, what she calls the new guard and the old guard, and the old guard, like you know, Luciferian blood sacrifice, elite pedophilia rings, um, an an alliance with a dark off planet faction. Um, that's a certain timeline that. What she received was at first called the Rainbow Faction which is not rainbow in the really good sense, but rainbow in the sense of, oh, we're going to give the kids uh, a nicer version of slavery. What we now refer to as the New Guard, that um, they have their own agenda. They don't want to go down the timeline of the Old Guard. Um, And you can think of, like, if if the Old Guard has a representative person, let's call it Hillary, (laughs) you know, for the Old Guard. And then the New Guard... um, They don't like that timeline. It doesn't work as well for them. And they're going, let's give the kids a kinder, gentler form of slavery. Let's give them, you know, uh, GMO free foods. Let's give them, you know, oh, we're going to give you uh, a nice stipend because there was this terrible pandemic. And, you know, you're going to get some money every month. um, Guaranteed universal income. And oh, by the way, of course, you will need to have a vaccine card. Oh, by the way, you know, we will need to gradually dumb you down. Oh, and we're probably going to eliminate a good portion of the population. But we're going to do it more gradually. And we're going to sterilize you. Or we're going to dumb you down. And we're going to put the troublemakers in camps or just have them, you know, rendered subhuman. And this is, but these two factions are fighting each other. And then in the meantime, here's the good news and this is just as you know a storyline this is a a perspective on this that i happen to feel from having looked at it has some credibility is that there is the inner light network which you know the cabal the illuminati call them what you want you know there's various factions fighting each other in there they get a lot of pr they get a lot of publicity they get you know the mystique of the dark ones right well what doesn't get much publicity, is the opposing network, the inner light network, who are also infiltrated into the top levels of big agro and fossil fuel industry and big pharma and military industrial complex. There are the light souls who are infiltrated in there and at the right moments doing the game changer moves that ultimately you know are are going to see us through this thing. But again, it's us, it's free will. And whenever Maya and I get to an end of a program, we say a lot of the same things that Judy Mikevitz was saying here and that you and I say, Nancy, which is the breakthrough is your own consciousness and your own free will choice moment to moment to align with the God force, to open your heart, The key turning point moment is a critical number of activated hearts, human hearts, choosing love and hope uh, on the planet. And that triggers what Maya refers to as the ascension timeline, activating the pyramids radius matrix. Every pyramid on the planet lights up and Gaia starts to shake off the old skin like a snake moving through transformation. Um, anyway, I, I just like to remind us of that view because it, it resonates for me and and uh, I believe that there are these high souls infiltrated. Uh, you know, the interlight network is real to me and, and you and I are part of it in our own way. Well, I think that there's a tremendous
0: number of light workers or networking, you know, done beyond us and for those people that you know what we're saying kinds of, kind of resonates with you it becomes really interesting because all you have to do is just say look it we've tried this we've tried that we've tried all sorts of things there's people that are standing up what have we got to lose except you know nothing To reach for the concept that there is a God source. The God source is in us. It's animating us. It's our consciousness. We are part and parcel of it. And it's the most powerful force in the universe. Why not just take a chance? You know, give yourself three weeks. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, and just accept that. So now, once you say, Okay, I'm going to align myself. Now, now there's some requirement here is that once you say, okay, I'm aligned with the God force, then you represent that God force. And if you go out and you get into traffic and you got, get antsy and you get angry, is that the God force you're wanting to align with? No. Let it go. You don't need that. That's, that's not part and parcel of the God force. That's part and parcel of the 3D experience creating trigger points in you. You've got to be able to, every time you do something that God would not do, okay, why would God get angry? You know, uh, just uh, uh, and and this is what what I'm trying to express here, is why would God get angry? There's a problem, you know? Just bring in the force of love. Nothing can withstand the force of love. Enact what God would do. Bring it forth. You're the representative of God. What do you want God to be? because let's it, you know my my when I started thinking about this which was a long time ago you know uh, and you want you pondering god i mean i think that uh, those people who are awake the 20% you know who am i where did i come from what's all this about and one day i just sort of understood that okay god knows everything but how do you know god knows everything if god knows everything it must be damn boring <laughs> <laughs> you know? So God being all-powerful begins to think, like I do when I'm bored, I just start to make up a story in my head. I just entertain myself. So God starts entertaining him or herself, their selves, and all of a sudden it becomes real because they're all-powerful.
2: Right, so,
0: the dream. Okay, So so if I was God, the first thing I'd be concerned about is making sure that I don't get lost in my own daydream. And so, I would create a, a guardian force that would say, look it, I'm going to go create all sorts of things out there because I'm just going to sit back here and daydream. But I want to make sure that there is a force that can step in if things go very, very wrong. Because when you are God, your force, your, your, your source of energy is now going into manifestation, and the manifestation if they if you put yourself out there and and you're just being manifested all over the universe and all over the universe people say I don't believe in God you got a problem (laughs) because Uh Uh (laughs) boof, you know nowhere you end up in nowhere so I I do believe there is a, a, a spiritual guardianship out there that will prevent that from happening yeah. Um yeah. you know, but the the thing of it is, is who do you want God to be? If we're all the sum quality of God, then really it's how we envision God, that God will take on that persona because it's all storytelling, but we're all connected. Even us to God. The reflection of God on us is our belief in what that
3: reflection should be. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, I'm going with it. Yeah, it's like, um, it's bringing to mind a line from the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the sacred scriptures of India, where um, speaking through the person of of Bhagavan Krishna on this battlefield of Kurukshetra, he's saying to his disciple Arjuna, um, when darkness prevails and ignorance reigns on earth, i make myself a body and i come to earth as an avatar in the ages that pass to restore righteousness and dharma and spiritual understanding and that you know that's that's the guardians right that you're describing nancy I and mean, that's the um, the safe that gets put in you know um these great souls who have attained um oneness with the god force you know come back to um to help restore righteousness to um shine enough light so that enough of us can use our free will to recognize the light that is us right and it sometimes it just takes it takes those infusions of grace right you know um into human history to let me let me
0: tell you a little story okay. back in um, mm, let me see when it, what would it would have been probably around 90 um, I was working in a condominium as a maintenance engineer and every night I would go out I would work the night shift and I'd go out to the where the, uh, the the condominium was actually built too far out into the ocean you wouldn't get a permit for now so you get to the end of the you know pool patio area that's an acre and you're you know just maybe 60 maybe maybe 200 feet from the water itself and i am checking things out out there to make sure there's no leaks or you know nothing's happening and i look out to the beach and i see a flying saucer i said oh my god a flying saucer's out there on the beach and i really go into i mean i had a lot of situations but this one was really I mean it was it was just sitting on the water and so I just kept doing what I normally would do and I don't look back to it until I go to the edge of it and look out to the water like I do every night and I'm going yep there seems to be a spaceship there and all of a sudden I was like I could see inside the the ship it wasn't like I was inside the ship. It was actually like I just could see, like I almost remoted from where I was standing in, to, to to see inside the ship. And there was this beautiful woman. Uh, there was three people in the craft, and they were all, you know, just really stunningly beautiful. But it was the woman that that locked into my me telepathically, and it was a very strange feeling because I felt that I was being programmed, that I was getting a uh, some kind of a programming signal into my head, but at huh. the same time I was carrying on a conversation with her. Uh, to make a long story short, at one point some people came down the beach and they looked at it and they didn't freak out and I thought okay, so maybe what am I looking at? And I look at it and it looks like a, a sailboat. And I'm going like, what the hell? And then as they walked by it, all the lights came back up and I saw it for what it was. A uh, circular wow. vehicle. And so I could elaborate on that, but the the key to it is that when they sent me into the building, they wouldn't they said i they said it was too dangerous for me to be there when they leave. And so, you know, just go into the building and they said it'll be a very long time before we see each other again, but go and start reading the book that you picked up today, okay? Uh- how the hell did they know I picked up this book? So I go into that book, and in the book, it's a it's a very esoteric. This was back when you didn't have the books we have out there. I mean, you it, you, it was esoteric writing more so than the stuff you see now. Esoteric being very old. And so I am reading this thing, and it's talking about the different uh, what did they call them? The rays, they were calling them rays, actually. But it was like every so many thousands of years, 24 probably, that there would be a new avatar of that golden age. Or, or the, the golden age was Jesus, okay? He was the avatar of the golden age. And in the coming age, the Aquarius, the age of Aquarius, you have Saint Germain as the Kohan, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the story goes that the avatar, uh, well, it's they become avatars, but that they are the ones, the masters of this energy. In Jesus's case, it, it takes on the look of gold, and he was able to come to Earth and ground that energy. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Now the purple energy, the energy of magic, is so powerful that no human being could 3D manifest and hold that energy. It's just it wouldn't happen. The 3D body isn't capable of holding that much energy. So what was set up was that Saint Germain would stay on that side and take in the purple energy and then step it down, almost like a transducer stepping Mm -hmm. down the energy that he would then send out to I don't know how many avatars they have on the planet okay but people that can take that step down saint germain blue f- energy and transmute it down so that it can be taken by earth and human beings and that's what we're into now is that there are people all over the world that are not being talked about like jesus or any of that but they're doing that very important role of grounding the energy of the seventh ray, the ray we're in now, the Aquarian Purple Ray. Wow. So,
3: yeah. I mean, anyway. This is, yeah, this is something that uh, my late friend, uh, Reverend William Bueller, uh, used to talk about. Former U.S. Navy commander, retired. Uh, Gulf of Tonkin incident veteran, by the way. Bill Bueller... Um, he had these light groups, once a week in his home, that would work with the Inner planes Agencies, um, you know, as they were referred to. And it wasn't like, hey, we're going to bring our agenda to them and say, we have this good thing we want to make happen or that one, and, you know, you're the higher beings. It's like, no, we're going to be agenda-free. You, higher beings on the higher level, are able to see the bigger picture but you need us as boots on the ground because we are the the souls down here in 3d with three will with free will and there's some you know magical transformative process that takes place when it gets anchored right in the way you're describing nancy i don't know if this if this matches up exactly but it's what comes up for me when when i'm listening to you on this
0: yeah, it's, it's the same story. It's, it's that you have, to be, you have to be able to integrate the new energies into the planet. And there are many different ways of doing it. And my feeling is, is that this is one, one presentation of a story that probably is being told in different ways by a lot of different people.
3: Yeah, and, and one way, another way that comes to mind is, of course, the crop circles which have been described as sort of um, divine software being um, integrated into the body of Gaia in, in this way that is an upgrade. It's like a software upgrade to the hardware of, of a computer. Um, you know, that's, that's one way. And I've also heard, you know, in the life of Jesus Christ described, and I think this might be a um, Rudolf Steiner... Um, understanding of it but that literally because of the nature of the incarnation of Christ and because of the, the well on the high metaphysical sacred science level his, his blood his actual very blood and genetics DNA whatever you want to call it that in the crucifixion that there was a Transformative grounding um, on a on a mass karmic level that took place for the planet when you know his blood sank into the earth. Um, maybe some of my listeners know more about this than I do, but it struck me as one of the most powerful examples of of, of what you're describing when you say you know that that, um, that Jesus grounded that energy you know of that that golden energy um, in that age and that. You know, you hear, and you hear people talk about St. Germain showing up. I mean, my old buddy, Neil Keenan, you know, I'm over there in Indonesia and Jakarta with Keenan, trying to, you know, help him with the global collateral accounts and exposing the, the corrupt, you know, um, compromising of these trillions of dollars in assets and we're exposing all this stuff and risking our butts. And I'm sitting there with Keenan and, you know, he's this, Irish American, tough guy from Rhode Island. And, uh, he says to me, Oh yeah, Michael, you know, it was right here in this suite. I, uh, that phone, that telephone over there. I got a, one day I got a call from St. Germain. I said, excuse me. So yeah, he called me up on the phone. There's a call from St. Germain. I said, you got a phone call from St. Germain. He said, yeah. I said, well, what did he say to you? Well, he said, you know, hello, Neil, this is St. Germain. And, uh, you're doing good work. I just want to encourage you. And uh, yeah, he told me to remember my heritage. He said, remember your heritage. Well, Neil's Irish, right? And for some reason, you know, the Irish are happy to undertake mad, impossible quests, you know, like like fighting off the British for 800 years, stuff like that. Anyway, and I, I know someone in Creston, Colorado, who had a discussion with St. Germain on a train. Uh, as a young woman Um, so he's still showing up and I love the idea that you know there's this transducing thing going on that you're describing so that we can handle the light energies coming in and um, make it around the corner you know
0: yes and we have all sorts of you know God inspired beings that come to our assistance whenever we need them I mean you know, God is kind of like a little bit massive to kind of comprehend, but to realize there are people, people just like us, who got to the point of, oh, aha, the ultimate aha moment. And I think we all can do that. I just think that it's a matter of you reaching deep inside yourself and ask yourself questions and be responsive to what the response is. In other words, feel your body, get in touch with your bodies. Get in touch with what you feel when you say, gee, is God real? Do you feel (laughs) yes, or do you feel no? Well, is God inside me, yes or no? Can I access God's power, yes or no? And just, you know, just think of it as a mind exercise. But we're out of time here. Yeah. We've got
3: just over a minute. Right. So, yeah, so you feel your breath, the breath of God in you, you know. And uh, that's the reality, the awareness that we talked about in the black hole, you know, of, of non-being. That spark of awareness, that's us. Breathe free. free um, share it with the people you feel drawn to share it with. Thank you, everybody, for being with us on Radio 5G. And uh, God bless Nancy Hopkins and all of you and this is michael henry dunn signing off for radio 5g see you next time folks bye for now god
0: god bless us all